What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Softweb Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to another wonderful episode of Softweb Radio. I am the man behind the glasses, Rad, your host. And I'm going to do something. I'm going to leave them off for this episode. I'm going to give my guest some eye contact during this as best I can because he's got a really cool story. But before we get into Cyrus's story, I want to remind you about our merch store. All right. You guys know that we rely on you and listening, being a part of our soft rep mafia, soft rep community. So please keep buying our merch. We really appreciate it. And then also supporting the softrep.com forward slash book hyphen club book hyphen club at softrep.com. Get into the reading, uh, go read a band book. If you don't join my club, just go read a band book or a book, okay? Go read a book, I dare you. Now, with that said, I have former Army Ranger, I think first Ranger, first battalion, first, first, probably first, probably says first is the best of the Rangers, hold on. <laughs> also, Navajo Nation journalist, freelancer, okay? So he writes and goes after you know stories for the Navajo Nation. Cyrus Norcross, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I uh, Thank you for having me, Rad. I've listened to the podcast quite a bit, so glad to be here. It's glad, <laughs> I'm glad to have you here, really, honestly. It's, uh, it's awesome. Now, 
as you know, on the podcast, I like to talk to my guests a little bit about like where you came from. So as a young man, Cyrus, you know, uh, we touched base that you were a ranger. What led you to wanting to get into the military in the first place? And wh- where'd you come from? Were you, are you from the reservation? Did you live in the city? Can you tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you got in the military? Yeah, so I, I grew up in Arizona um, on the Navajo Nation. I grew up on and off. My family was really big into, well, not my family, I have military history. Like a lot of my family served, and I've heard stories going way back before the Spanish arrived. Like hearing stories of like one of my great, 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 great grandfathers killing a Ute chief's son, taking his horse, and then keeping it. And then that's kind of how our name kind of got about, um, our, our traditional name, I should say, Gray Horse. I basically like means like the one who killed a guy for the gray horse or like the the guy who took the gray horse is kind of like that so yeah, it goes right. back yeah and then uh we navajo scouts and then like one of our uncles was like not uncles um, one of my great great grandfathers was searching for Pancho Villa like mm-hmm. during that time wow. um world war one had people going then world war two came so that's where my grandpa was at and he wasn't. He was a co-tiger, but he he was in the North African cap- campaign. So he was out there with Third ID, and like he fought, he fought Rom- Rom- Rommeld, and then he fought um, went to, to Italy. Rommeld, yeah, dude. yeah, people, yeah. People <laughs> Rommel's books of like how to fight yeah. wars. You know, Schwarzkopf's like I've read every Rommel <laughs> book. You know, and here's your grandfather yeah. kicking his ass. <laughs> Read his book. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like. And from there, like, you know, my, my uncle went to Vietnam, with the, was in Quezon when that all went down. My dad was, my dad was in the 80s, so it was like during the Cold War time, but um, he was Green Beret and he got to do some cool stuff. Same with my dad. Um, and then, yeah, and then, and then me. So now it's me. And so I've like, you know, heard all those stories growing up. I was surrounded by World War II veterans as a kid because they would kind of like, you just see them as a kid because there was... There's so many of them back back then when I was like eight, ten years old, right. and uh, just like they would just like talk to me. I had no idea what they were talking about at the time. But um, the nine eleven happened, so that's kind of I was like, man, I'm gonna miss the war. I'm I'm in seventh grade or eighth grade, whatever it was, and I was like, and then fast forward a couple of years, I was like, oh, I'm I'm gonna be able to you know serve and kind of keep that lineage going. So right, and that's the, when I joined tradition. And so. The army, did they come knocking on your door or were you like, I want the army? Yeah, I was actually originally going to go Marines <laughs> just to, just to piss my dad off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, but I, but, um, I was talking to this recruiter because the Marines weren't there. And so the recruiter was like, oh, I was like, well, my dad was SF and, um, I want to go Green Beret. And he was like, well, you're, you're too young, man. You're 17 right now. And I was like, well, what? what can I do? He's like, you have to be 21 to join, um, to go SF. And he's like, well, he goes, I can sign you up for an option 40 contract, which is a Ranger contract. And I was like, well, you know, Ranger, I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. Like, and what, what, what did they do? I didn't know what really Ranger was back then. And he was like, Oh, you've seen Black Hawk Down? I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. And he's like, yeah, that's, that's, what that, that's what a ranger is. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, cool, I'll do that. So that's how I got the option 40 contract. And next thing you know, I'm taking off like a month after I graduated from high school. Thanks a lot, Colonel Danny McKnight of the Rangers that was in Black Hawk Down for inspiring. <laughs> Have you seen Black Hawk Down? Did you see Danny McKnight get shot in the neck? Did you see that? <laughs> Did you see Matt Eversman rappelling out of a Black Hawk helicopter with RPGs? That's what a ranger does. 
right? <laughs> and, and, and funny enough, those two guys both play airsoft, which is war games oh. on, on a large oh, wow. scale. Yeah, but that's another story. But so, so Cyrus, did you think that the Rangers was what you thought the Rangers was going to be? I mean, like when you're going through like indoctrination and, you know, happen to sing the Ranger Creed, probably up to your armpits and some swallow of some <laughs> whole hell. I don't know. Am I assuming? <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> well, I got to a doctrination program, Ranger doctrination rip, and it was essentially what I thought it would be, you know, just a lot of yelling and a lot of doing a lot of, uh, like, I was like, oh, okay, now now I'm in the Army is kind of like what I thought. Like, I, not to brag, you know, but I was like, yeah, I was a varsity cross-country, I was varsity in, in wrestling, and um, I had a, um, I was a bull rider at the time, so, like, I was, when, like, when I was a kid, I, I started doing steel riding, calf riding, got in high school, started bull riding, and then my dad was like, hey, you got to choose, you know, bull riding or high school sports. And I decided to go with high school sports, but I would still, like, hop on every once in a while. And so... I was like, wow, this is like, this is cool. Like, this is, this is what I like. Yeah. Like, this is a challenge. And it was, it definitely was like making us up in the middle of the night, making us like go into formation, middle of the night, like 10 minutes. And there's like a five story, four story building, three stories, I think it was. And like people just throwing their rucksacks and all their duffel bags outside the window, trying to make formation on the blacktop. And we never made the time. <laughs> So just doing whatever smoked. you could to get out on time, right? So they're like giving you this impossible time frame of muster, right? That's what you're telling me. Like roll call and uh-huh. be there in 30 seconds. You're like, dude, how? Jumping off the building to try to be on time, basically, huh? Yeah, but yeah. You're splattered so, in formation. Does that count, sir? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was an interesting. It was an interesting time period. Um, like they were always talking to us about the war. So one of the things I I vividly remember was I went through the winter, so they made us crawl through some water, made us crawl through water. This is cold range. And we ended up, instead of like smoking us at night, which is what we were all hoping to get smoked so we can stay warm, they didn't smoke us. They made us like walk through water and they put us in formation, double alarm intervals. And created a fire in front of us, like just giant bonfire. And they started barbecuing in front of us. They started grabbing all our like clean clothes and putting it down and got our sleeping bags, like warm sleeping bags and put them down. Like, hey, and they just started telling us war stories like of Iraq, Afghanistan, of the evasion. A lot of these dudes and like, they're just like, man, you can quit right now. You can, you don't have to deal with this. You don't have to deal with being in the cold. You don't have to deal with any of this anymore. You don't deal have to be hungry. You can just go quit. Be next to this warm fire. Get a warm sleeping bag, warm clothes, and, and, and a burger. And they were, they were cooking burgers. And people were just like, quit walking off and going and quitting, man. It was just like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like some kind of game show, but not. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. Mr. Beast is like, I'll give you $1,000 if you give up on this million dollars. They're like, deal. <laughs> you're like, no, yeah. you're so close. He just baited your brain, you know? And so, well, good job on making it through, you know, through the Ranger uh, process. And then you got put into the Ranger regiment, right? You went Ranger. So you didn't just get, uh, you got put into the regiment and that is like search and destroy, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I went to, so I went to first battalion, I went to first battalion and went to Charlie company. So I was there and this big, big dude, just like everyone was like, 
everyone I got there was like, yeah, the place you don't want to go is Charlie Company. You don't want to go to Charlie Company. And I ended up getting Charlie Company. I just like this tall, like E6 just like came out. And like the dudes, the dudes that just got deployed. And he's like, are you guys, who's the, all this is all Seco? All right, come with me. And then like, like just like came with us. And everyone was like, shit, like, we're, we're a fucking Seco. And like, everyone was like, this dude was tall, man. But the more I like, I was around this guy, this huge, huge E6, I was like, Man, I want to be like this guy. Like this guy's, this guy's fucking like he's a he's a ranger man. Like that's what I want to be. I want to grow. Like, is there any drinks that I could have to grow? <laughs> I love it. I love it. So some inspiration was coming from him. Do you remember his name? You want to say it? Yeah, I do. I, I do. I, I don't want to say his name. I know he's still like doing some cool guy stuff. So yeah. and so, but he. I mean, people people used to call him. I think it was. Uh, I don't, I don't remember what it was. They gave him a nickname. I don't remember that. Oh, nickname. what is that nickname? Huh? Oh, I forget. Yeah. All of a sudden, you got yeah. old timers coming on already, but, young man. <laughs> but I, there, there were like E fours who were around me, and they were like, they were, they were like afraid of him. Like they'd be smoking us, and then like he'd come in, like they would stop. They were like afraid of him, and like he was he like smoke very, them. Yeah, like he, he was just like, these guys. <laughs> yeah, Bobby he took John us on a ten months. Tell me what's up, and they're like, he's like, why don't you smoke yourselves for smoking them? They just want to, yeah. you know, he seemed like what you just yeah. said in two sentences is like, you beat your Seco, come with me. Yeah. You don't want yeah. you to die. You don't want, he want you, he yeah. wants you to live. He wants you to fight with him and fight alongside of him. And yeah, fear him. The enemy fear. Yeah. Him. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Like that's like, man, you pissed. Like I, I actually got him mad one time and he didn't even get mad at me. He just like was like disappointed and just like walked off. And I felt super, super bad. I was like, holy shit. I just laid him down. Like that's it. Damn. He's got dad vibes. He's like, mm. yeah. Like, oh, I like, damn, man. Do that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I gotta reflect, reflect on my life now. That's like my dad. It's simple. You know, and, and again, you, your dad, Green Beret, my dad, Green Beret, you know, and they just had this look of like, hmm. And my dad would be like, yeah, you're a leg, but you're my leg. It's like, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. True, you know, and uh, did your dad, your dad played a huge influence in your life then, huh? Yeah, he, he did, um, uh, you know, just hearing a lot of stories and, and I'm, I'm sure you kind of dealt with the same thing. You know, there was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of lot, yeah, a lot of life, a lot of things that he didn't unpack. So he would yeah. kind of throw that on me. So, I mean, I kind of grew up dealing with that as well. So um, I kind of had this like huge, what's the word I'm looking for, burden that he wanted me to kind of carry. And I, I, I didn't want to carry any of that. So. So I kind of, that's one of the reasons why I left actually range of battalion or not range of battalion, um, left the reservation life to, to go and like kind of get away from him. <laughs> and I joined the army. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Guess get away from some of it and try yourself in life. Yeah. 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 Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. So did you, so you deployed, you went and- uh, you I deployed, yeah. Missions or yeah. year-long missions or what? Yeah. Yeah, it was so majority of our deployments through three months, so ninety days. Some people got extended, um, like four or five, five months. Um, I, I never got extended when I was on deployment, and yeah, so I went to Iraq. Iraq was my first deployment. The other two, I went to Afghanistan. So yeah, I mean, it was good. We got a lot of a lot of bad guys. Iraq was climbing around all the time. Like we just climbed these buildings, scaling these buildings, and I was like surprised, like we were doing that with full kit on and like watching these dudes just like jumping like they would we would climb all the way to the top of these ladders and then like on our foot and then like jump up grab the ledge and then pull ourselves yeah and then you know obviously the guy who did that would turn around and grab the guys with the other hand and do that like we were like scaling like three three-story buildings laying a ladder dudes, across probably right boosting yeah up, you know? yeah yeah like, they yeah we do all that yeah, we, yeah, we were doing all that, and like we were like laying down ladders across three-story buildings Crazy. and walking across it. Like I'm just like, normal. fuck, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a like, day. Oh, get the ladder, cross this roof. You know, like today, would yeah. You cross it. Would you have a need to cross it? Like, there's just this like fine line. Yeah, death is on the line, maybe. Yeah, so, yeah. I um, yeah. I, I got to, I got so before all that, I actually got to do some Arabic training. So I like, I asked, I was like, hey, can I do some Arabic training? And so, so I, I got to do some Arabic training, and, and one of these one of these missions I was on, we um, we were we were black side, and so it was kind of like we were on the outer outer perimeter, just kind of like watching to make sure there's like no dudes running off squirting. Like I guess we called them squirters back then. I don't know if they're still called the same thing or not. Probably. And 
And so we we ended up <laughs> we ended up climbing over this 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 wall, and like my squad leader, like he hopped over it. And then, like my team leader hopped over it, and then, and then it was me. I went, I hopped over, and this wall just crumpled. Like as I crawled over, and I just like fell all the way down. Like this whole wall just crumpled. And I just remember my squad leader walking. I went, "The fuck are you doing? Get the fuck down!" And he just like grabbed me. And was, I was like, "Oh, I thought the wall fell apart." Like, and like, you can't, you can't really say anything. I just looked at him. And I was like. Roger. Yeah, I really didn't know what to say. Anyways, we were like, yeah. Anyways, we're like, we're like stacked up, like just watching this building, and like literally after that, some dude comes walking out. This guy walks out, and um, it was like, fuck. And so he, I was like, man, that's on me. Like, I feel bad now. And the dude's like walking out, and he was just kind of like, he was actually using the restroom. That's like actually what he was doing. He didn't hear anything. He actually was using the restroom. So he actually came out. And so we thought he was actually coming out to see like what's going on, you know? And so all these, you see night vision, just all these lasers, little green lasers on this dude. And he's just like walking toward us, walking toward us. And like the squad leader's like, yo, where's the, where's the interpreter? We need the interpreter right now. And, um, he's not, he's not coming up. He's not, he's, no interpreter interpreters trying to do something else and they kept getting closer and i was like man i actually this is what i took arabic class for and without even asking my squad leader, i was like i just i was like hey ethnon riki which means hey we're americans and then you know my squad was like tell him to lift up his shirt and i was like hey lift up his shirt so he lifted up his shirt tell him to turn around like hey man stay where you're at don't move anymore just lay on the ground and and the dude was like, "Hey, is that you, Muhammad?" Like he was like asking, like he thought it was one of his buddies or something, and was like, "No, we're Americans." Was telling him that and got him to lay down. Eventually, you know, the interpreter like actually talked to him and was like, "Oh, dude, the guy was coming out to take a dump." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden, like, all these it, predator lasers are all over him, just like like any one of them. You know what I'm saying? Everybody had to keep muscle yeah. or muzzle discipline, trigger discipline. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, it takes yeah, one. Yeah. One dude to be like itchy, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, dude. yeah. So situation, like right? Because you just want to take a dump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Like, I mean, I, like, and after that, I, I was like, wow, this was actually like really crucial to have some sort of yes. Arabic Arabic training. And well, me and my other buddy, we actually did a whole call out on this um, house as well, on on top of a rooftop. And um, was I don't know, was it a rooftop? It was like an apartment. And like it was an apartment, then an outside apartment. So it was kind of separate from the rest of the apartments. We did call on that family too. And it was like actually like 10 people in that thing. And it was like me, between me and him, the interpreter's not there again. And the interpreter's like with the main, the soft force. We were black sites. We're on top of these buildings. Same thing happening again, man. We're like, oh shit, there's fucking more people up here. And we're just like right behind our backs. And so me and my buddy, we ended up like doing a call out, separating the guys on one side, women and children on the other side and like we're just like asking them hey what's your age what's your name and all this and i was like wow man this is really like i never thought i would be i was like wow i'm doing this saying the right thing and you can understand them yeah learning a language and saying the words doesn't mean you necessarily learn how they reply back right they might have like Mm. so you're kind of like uh (laughs) yeah yeah it was was, (laughs) yeah me and my buddy were actually kind of like dude what is this what they said like it was like kind of in between me and him like being yeah. interpreter like yeah like yeah and then like after that we're like hey you know go back inside your house don't move around for like 10 minutes you know yada 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 and then and then we left and you know, said bye bye um Dude, the story yeah then my buddy ended up, 
I bet you that family yeah. sister, like the ghosts, they came up the American <laughs> ghosts and they spoke to us in our language and they separated. You remember that? I bet if they're still, you know, like, this, like we're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was, it was interesting. I mean, but, but like, I mean, we did, it was a bunch of rage as well. I mean, we went inside buildings, cleared buildings, like, I don't even want to like just religiously, like it was just every day. And like, I was told like we did within those 90 days, we did a hundred missions, but that's not including follow on missions. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea how much, cause we did a lot of follow on missions. Like we would hit one target get done then it's like hey we're taking off to another objective we hit that objective get another guy it's like oh hey we just got intel on this other guy and we're like boom so like put up baghdad i was like that was what we were doing yeah Yeah. you just go one to another to another and so one lead turns to another lead turns to another lead and those are a mission within a mission in a mission yeah so like one yeah yeah one 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 deploy one mission is like multiple yeah it yeah, expand. yeah. I mean, Holy cow. Now, now, now that you bring it up, I just, I just remember just one particular, one particular individual, and we, there's two of them actually, just two, two missions now. There's like actually a bunch of missions popping up now. Yeah, um, but one mission we did, there was, it was, there was a kid, right? There was this kid who was like 20, about the same age as me. He was 19 at the time, and he, like, we saw him at one, one, one mission, one objective. We're like, oh, it's just a kid, you know, whatever. We go hit another target. That kid's there again. We're like, whoa! This is the same kid from, from that last mission. Like, what, you know, what's going on here? And then they kind of brought him in. And then, like, I don't know, maybe like two beats go by. We're on another target, and the guy's there again. And like, we're like, dude, something like this, something's up with this kid. And then they they end up fucking hauling in. So that was uh, that was interesting. You start like seeing like stuff like that. Like that dude was just there all the time interesting guy um, just randomly yeah a lot randomly just there you know like you know, yeah like, yeah wild dude. yeah and you're yeah. like how come that how come we can't the first time you're like okay i'm gonna slide the second time you're like i think that kid the third time you were like this dude needs to get snatched or what yeah, I mean, well, the second time they snatched him up. Okay, okay. And then, and then, and then he was gone, so we didn't see him for a bit. And then, and then he just shows up again. We're like, I see. What the fuck? Yeah, I you know, see. so, like, a lot of those dudes were like that. We, we went after some bigger targets, uh, like, this accountant where we went after. Uh, no, no, like, gunshots or anything went, but, like, we went in there. But there were guns in there. They were just, they didn't, they didn't pick them up. And, but they were, like, Rolexes. They were Rolexes, man, like, with Saddam Hussein on there, like, gold bars everywhere, and, like, just matching. I was like, holy smokes, man. This is, like, the haves and the he had a Saddam Hussein. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, he had a Saddam Hussein letter, like, a little square one. And I was like, that's kind of cool. So, I like, took that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's yeah. WW2. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard a story um, about a guy in World War II. He got a gold Luger, went on the Navy ship. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to check all that stuff in because they like mm-hmm. didn't have any problem with it. And when he went to go get it out of that locker, it was gone. Wow. <laughs> you know, yeah, because the guy in the armory was like, hey, fighters keepers, right? Gold Luger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, yeah. so I can only imagine having, you know, any type of a trinket. I've seen some things I don't want to talk about from people who have come back and, uh, you know, and it's interesting. <laughs> I've, I've definitely, I've definitely know a few people who brought back some stuff. And I'm like, how did you do that? Yeah, man. Um, I'm like, am I touching yeah. what you're telling me? I'm touching, really? Wow. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. There's no brains in yeah. this. That's amazing. Yeah. 
I, I kept my my little trophies to small small things, lighter. I had a, a little dollar. Like money was yeah. a big one for me. I wanted to yeah. kill. I wanted to collect the money. So money. I brought this chess set, and I think this broke to pieces. You know, the U.S. used to drop made. soccer balls all over Iraq with, uh, you know, U.S. propaganda. Like, hey, we're here. We're here for mm-hmm. you know, to be friends. You know, and I was like, oh, man, that soccer ball. How cool of a piece of gear would that be? You know, we put it over there because they're going to play with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the little leaflets that we drop all over the place because you spoke of money, you know. And so, like, these, all these little things. I have, a, I have a collection of stuff at my office that's leaflets that people have gifted me from... You know, their travels over there. I'm looking for the soccer ball. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. wow. One of my friends um, in Afghanistan actually found a Soviet Union hat. So, like, yeah, he, he, he kept it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's legit. <laughs> <laughs> <You> yeah. <know? laughs> Let's think about that one for a second. You know, uh, after you got out of, uh, you know, uh, searching and destroying and doing the Ranger stuff, you got into, like, journalism. Is that how that kind of transitioned and yeah so so I, I ended up getting out of the army and i really i really didn't have no idea what i was going to do so i'm like i'm going back to the navajo nation and the navajo nation is just nothing it's like nothing there really it's, it's the same as you just left. kind of yeah it's it, and, and in essence one of the things one of my friends would like talk about in iraq and afghanistan i remember a conversation we had i was like man i can't believe people live like this and my my response was like dude this is how i live like this is this is the Navajo Nation, man. Like, this is what yeah. it's like. I'm like, it's not that big a deal to me. Like, and I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Are you telling me that there's, in America, there's a place that's similar to a third world country? And he's like, yeah, that's, that's a Navajo Nation for you. And so I get back and I was like, man, what am I going to do? So I actually went up to the local newspaper <laughs> and I walked up and I was just basically like, hey, I'm an Army Ranger with special operations. I can learn quick. I'm a fast learner. Take, give me a job. And there's like the editor looked at me. He goes, Have you ever like done photos or writing before? I was like, I've been a photographer. I've, I've jumped out of an airplane. I've, I've taken my camera with me. And, um, I've, I've done you know that kind of stuff, rock marches and training like shots with my own camera. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, it's like, can you do anything else? I was like, I, I was like, I, I can learn to write because on deployments, I was actually, I had like a little diary or slash you know journal called journal, sure. not diary, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, a diary, and, um, dear so diary. Oh. No, <laughs> it's actually a release, really, honestly. Okay, it's yeah. good to have. Yeah, it. yes. So, so I would write. I would write in this, um, and um, so that's kind of like where my writing kind of came about. So I just they they said no to me, and I was like, well, I guess I'll just join the Navajo Police Force. And right. this big dude came out like huge. Uh, I'm not. I'm not talking big, like as like muscular. I mean, like fat. Yeah. And came out and was like, he looked at me and was, I was like, hey, I, you know, I, I want to join. I'm a former Army Ranger. Uh, it's been about two months. Like, I, I let, let me do this. And I'm legit, the dude was like, oh, okay. Well, just so you know, we've had Green Berets and Navy SEALs who cannot hack our academy. Our academy is extremely strenuous, and Army Rangers can't even hack it. Marines can't even hack it. So. I just not saying that you're not going to hack it, but a lot of people can't hack our academy. I was like, man, fuck this guy. I ain't going to fucking work with this, you know, yeah. like a police force that comes out and like tells me that already. I was like, man, fuck this. So I ended up going to school for a little bit. And during school, it's kind of like on the road to journalism now. I, two of my friends as civilians, went back to Iraq to help the Kurdish 
to fight ISIS. So I was yes. like, man, that's fucking bomb. That's baller. And, you know, I, I was like, man, that's what I want to do. I want to be doing stuff like that. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a guy of adventure. Like, I'm not supposed to be in school. So I took off kind of with traveling for a little bit. And I was in Alaska. And then, and then Standing Rock was kicking off. Um, my cousin invited me to go with him. So I went there. Really didn't have no, like, expectation of what was going to happen. And it, it, it blew up into this whole big, big, Huge. big thing. My best friend. And so I, I get right. there. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I just, I, I met a lot of people there and it, like a lot of it kind of reminded me of like being on deployment where it was like, it was now on the other side. Like all these people are like talking about, yeah, you know, there's, they have this on us. They got that on us, got the numbers on us. They're sending people in their camps. And like, at the same time, a lot of these Vietnam veterans are like doing their fucking intelligence gathering on like the police over there. And like, I, I was, for the most part, I stayed out of all of that. Like I was like there, like, right. But I was like, kind of, that was for the most part staying out of it, kind of like worried about my own little camp of what, what these guys were doing. And I ended up meeting a bunch of journalists there, like inadvertently, or kind of become friends with them. Same, same mindset. I didn't realize it at the time. And I was just kind of curious, you know, and they were curious. And they wanted to know about the world. I wanted to know more about the world. And so I started talking to them. One of them was a French photojournalist. He's, award, he's an award-winning journalist now. He took me under his wing and showed me the ropes of, of journalism. And I started, like, walking around and hanging out with all these people he was talking to, watching how he interacted with people. And I was like, wow, man, this is cool. This journalist, um, it's kind of a quick background. He was in Ukraine during revolution. He was hanging out with the French Foreign Legion when the war was going on, I believe in Sudan. And like, he almost got murdered by uh, by someone with the ax. And he said the dude got killed like right in front of him. So like, and I was like, wow, dude, you were the Ukraine revolution. He since he's since gone back to Ukraine during, during the war. And like, yes. he's gone, he's he came back now. So I keep in touch with him still. And, um, so I learned, I got to learn a lot from him. And that's when I kind of was like, I'm going to be a journalist. Like there's, there's not a lot of native voices. There's not a lot of native journalists out there. And I really want to speak on a lot of these issues that are going on on the reservation. So mm-hmm. I got in into that um, very like first big story that I was working on. I had no idea what I was doing. It was kind of a, kind of a green journalist. I, and I was still kind of like riding off that whole ranger, you know, I still kind of had that cocky attitude and, I was kind of like roaming around. So I ended up going to the Tejona Autumn Reservation, which is near the border of Mexico and Arizona. So southern Arizona, I should say, and it's right near the border. And so I, I heard like stories of like the cartel going into, not on the reservation and knocking on doors and basically like forcing these people to, to be drug runners for them. And so I was like, wow, that's really, that's really interesting. And so I was like talking to people about that. Um, I was like getting contacts with the, Border Patrol, and one one dude I was able to finally kind of talk to him, and we kind of set up a time. But before that happened, before I, before I cut it and stopped the story, I was like, I went to this bar because I was like, I asked someone like, some like I was going to school at U of A, University of Arizona. I asked one of my colleagues, I was like, Hey man, what a what is like a bar that's owned by the cartel or club here in Tucson? Do you know of? And he was like, uh, I don't know, man. Like, he's like, uh, but this one place kind of seems kind of sketchy. Like, right. we really go there. So I went there. <laughs> of I went there and like, I don't know Spanish, but I look, but I look Spanish, I look Mexican. Okay, yeah. So I was just like, yeah. So I was, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I went in and like, 
guys are like asking me for like what I want to drink in Spanish. I, I could kind of understand them from just from a lot of my friends who are Mexican. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I'll take a, yeah, yeah, I'll take a cerveza. Like, yeah, uno cerveza. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. So. I was there. And I was just like minding my own business, just drinking, drinking a beer, and kind of wanted to see what this place was about. All of a sudden, I see this dude just like starting something, like some some shit was shit, shit was going down, and like the bouncers, they didn't like throw him out, man. They just started beating the shit out of him. They beat this guy, like just beat the shit out of him, and like they didn't throw him out. They said they looked to the corner. They look in the corner of like some group of guys in the corner of the room, and then the, you just see the guy go. And then they just fucking dragged him to another room in the back. And I was like, oh, shit, this is, this is it. Like, I'm here right now. And I ended up, uh, like I said, I'm a green journalist. So I, don't, I, I don't fucking know what I was doing. I mean, I, I could probably do the story now at a more, but with more thought process. and Without an immersive actually, uh, experience. Yeah. The, becoming the story. Yeah. Like you're creating the story yeah. of the story. Yeah. And it's like, oh shit, now so, they're going to write about me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't get invited. So the story got killed because I got invited to, I got invited to this Mexican party. So I go for New Year's. So I go there and I'm kind of doing my thing. Just, I'm just talking to people. I'm not really trying to do a story and like, some i was like sitting i went and i was like my buddy was sitting with me and then he, he walked off and i was at this bar and this guy came up to me alligator boots on pants huge buckle silk fucking dress shirt creased hat yeah that buckle obviously you know it's like yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, dude. You're like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he sits in front of me, and then he's just he's just he's being super calm. He's like, hey, you want a beer? And I was like, so he bought me a beer. I'm drinking a beer with him, and um, he was like talking to me for a little bit. And he was like, hey, you're a journalist. I was like, yeah. He goes, you're working on this story about you know the cartel. But I was like, yeah, I am. He's like, mm, yeah, you should stop that story. I was like, no, I have to write it. Like, I gotta and because and then he's like, no, 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 you should stop. Right? And I was like nah no like who's this guy i was like who are you and he's like oh you know who i am i was like no i never met you before no you know who i am i was like looking i was like kind of like i was like kind of like looked him up and i was like alligator boots you know i was like silk dress shirt and i was like oh okay i know who you are he's like yes i'm just gonna ask you kindly stop the story nothing's gonna happen just just stop. And I was like, all right, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> so that was it. I, I, I never stopped. I never continued with that story. I mean, now it's a totally different, totally different ballgame. Um, but at the I time, up, bro, uh, you're like, okay, you know, I, I get up, it. Uh, you, re- you realized it was for real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it was kind of one of those things where it was like, I kind of saw myself as, like, one of those old school journalists, like, getting the story, you know, like, um, I was like, oh man, this is this is not how we should be going about getting the story. Like things are, things should be different. I, I learned a lot from that too, as well. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play journalism and journalists are uh, a target you know and uh you know they are uncovering things and uh like khashoggi who was you know butchered uh at the embassy by you know who we all know did it uh had it done you know and he was sawn up into little pieces because he was going after the stories you know mm-hmm. he's in so deep into these stories they just he wouldn't stop so, I mean, yeah. journalism, journalism is, a, I don't want to say a dying craft. You know what I mean? It, it needs to continue. We have to keep uh, the freedom of press and journalism out there. It has to keep going. People have to take mm-hmm. the torch like yourself and just, you know, you're like, hey, it's a different day now, right? You'd have a different means of doing what you want to do and maybe not so involved. But well, that green journalist out there that you were is trying to chase that same thing and they're going to find themselves in the same position. Oh yeah, 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 you know? and you know, yeah. I was just very, um, I was very, very fortunate, I guess you could yes. say. And um, I, I ended up eventually around that time period. Um, I actually dropped out of college at that time, and got a job offer from from one of my buddies. He's a combat controller, <laughs> and um, he was like, "Hey man, I got this, I just got, I got this contract. Would you be interested in? We'd be doing." Uh, intelligence with the Royal Air Force with drones. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? So yeah. um, I did that for, for a good minute and basically just like helping train the Royal Air Force and in intelligence gathering and to establish a terrorist network organization. Mm-hmm. And from that, and I was like the ground maneuver. So I was like the dude who like kind of like set up the, the guys and kind of display how, you know, people would move around and walk around and stuff like that, how, how they would interact with like in a gunfight. So like I was, I was doing that. Um, eventually I got to the point where I was actually the guy like in the talk 
you know, like talking to talking to the uh, tactical uh, operation command, right? A talk T O C. Yeah, so yeah, in, yeah. Right? So you're in like a tactical yeah. operation command center. You yeah, it's mobile, yeah. but I'm not sure if this is mobile, right? And so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, we, so I'm just explaining yeah. to my listener what the talk is, right? Because you're inside of a command and control center where everybody's mm. making decisions and there's probably maps and things being pointed at and you're in there mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah so so i, I kind of got to do i got to do that um and like my buddies were just like the majority of them were like tac b's and majority of um, common controllers so i was like the only army ranger there who yeah was, air force all oh, air force like, tactical party yeah yeah combat controller yeah clear an airfield yeah sure that it's clear to yeah you know yeah they're badass yeah they are man Cool Connor guys, Matthews, cool guys. Give you a shout out, bro. He just made UFC. Connor Matthews, <laughs> combat controller, Give him a shout out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, well, um, we we ended up I ended up working with those guys, and they basically kind of trained me up in a lot of that. And it was like, well, this is cool. This is really fun. I wish I was a tech P. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the Air and, Force. When when I was going through boot, they're the only guys you saw at basic training. But they had already gone through all their, you know, training, and they were like in these black flight suits. No one else wears black flight suits. Everyone else is like in, you know, camis or BDUs, camouflage. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then there's these like six guys hanging over an edge of a railing, like smoking with baseball hats and black flight suits, uh-huh. just big American flags on them, like Delta Force, like the movie. And I'm just like, yeah, bro, those guys just get to walk around, and they probably have wheelbarrows to carry every pair of their balls. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, okay, <laughs> here we are. What do you need from us? <laughs> Parking our wheelbarrows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did that. And I actually took a lot of those skills and I started to apply that to journalism. And um, that, 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 that upped my game like 100%. And man, like now I'm like this full-fledged journalist. And yeah. like I'm now going chasing stories now, like on a whole different level. Now it's like, okay, I'm not the one doing it. Now I'm talking to people who are in it, talking to people who like, you know, are, are there, who witness these stuff. And then I go and I talk to them and verify them. So a lot of these people, like I really like one of the, one of them was a girl. She you know she had top secret clearance. She was um, signals intelligence, and so like I would like reach out to her about like specific things that were happening, and so I talked to her about stuff, and and so I started to establish like uh, you know and veterans basically, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and these like in these spaces and kind of find out what's going on like human what's going right. on in the human community. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's essentially essentially that's what it was. I mean. I'm, as a journalist, you, there's a lot of stuff. I, I would I started reading a lot of journalism books, a lot of these investigative journalists, how how they would go about their gathering their sources. I mean, I even started reading like some spy books just just to kind of get an idea of like how they would create their their sources as well. And I was like, okay, so this this is what you know, investigative journalism makes you know. I'm an investigative journalist, and like I'm uncovering all these different different things that are happening on the reservation, a lot of corruption going on. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is, this is wild. And we're getting we them published stories that you're being, that you're putting out there. Is there something <clears throat> that they're all aggregated or are you just kind of like freelance and it's whoever picks up your articles, you know, if it's for the res or the Navajo reservation as you know, Navajo nation. Yeah. The, the majority of the majority of the stories, I actually have a website, uh, 
it's it's a really strange website. Like you can't look it up. Like you put down Cyrus Snowcross um, Journal Portfolio dot com. It's something like that. But I, I do have it on the LinkedIn, so you can find me on LinkedIn. And then I have an Instagram as well. Um, the website's on there, so you just—it's just right there. You can click it, and you see all these um, stories. Like, literally, I haven't published anything because I'm kind of focusing on on my other projects right now. And um, I was just in New York, kind of won an award, and from Mexico, it's actually called Military Veterans in Journalism. I don't know if you ever heard of it. No, tell, tell me the award um, that you just won. Yeah, yeah. So it's Military Veterans in Journalism. And I got it in New York, and it's basic the award I the story that I did it on was about potential pol- police brutality within the Navajo nation. Mm-hmm. And this individual ended up 21 year old kid was drunk and the Navajo police officer at the time was saying he started throwing up in the back of his seat. So he took him out from the back of his seat and sat him out in the back of the car, of the cop car. And he went to go to the front of the vehicle to get some gloves and some Kleenex to go clean the back of the seat. So when he went to go do that, he came back and the kid was gone. Just gone. That's what, that's what the press release said. That's what I was told. Yeah, he was just gone, disappeared. We went to look for him. We couldn't find him. And so my thing with that is I started asking questions. I was like, you're telling me that an experienced officer did not hear a 21-year-old drunk kid run away i'm like i've been to that police station they actually work out of a post office i was like you know i've been to the police station it's not even a police station it's a post office you have seven foot fences and it's gravel so you can hear if someone's running yeah someone's running <laughs> yeah and I, yeah and i was yeah yeah 100 yeah. i was and like so you're cuffed yeah yeah he's cuffed and i was like so you're telling me that a 21-year-old drunk kid just happened to slip through an experienced police officer's ears and eyes. Like, you weren't aware of any of this. And, you know, press release, like, what we said is what we said. And so um, I, I dove into it. The kid, they found a the kid, like, two or three weeks later. Um, he was drowned in a canal with the handcuffs behind his back. And um, so I, I dove into that story. Like, the, the family has now since been, like, done a lawsuit and so they're they're trying to get some sort of like compensation from that and justice uh, yeah and, and there's really nothing going on with there it's kind of a stalemate right now so their lawyer they're you know it's they're kind of going back and forth right now and so that that's the award i got it for it was kind of highlighting that uh, i mean it's not just that like the main thing i actually do i do now is called missing murdered indigenous people mm-hmm. and that one is, is a huge issue the just and it goes back to this case that happened back in 1978. So it's called the Oliphant versus the Quamish tribe. And this individual on his non-native was kind of giving heckling the tribal police for whatever reason. Oh, he, was, he was intoxicated, like heckling the native police there. And so the native police were like, all right, man, like you're causing an issue. So they threw him in jail and like, Hey man, we're going to, we're going to charge you for disorderly conduct and for, um, being, I forgot what the word was assaulting the police. Native, right? Yeah, yeah. He's not native. Doing this yeah. to native, native police, and mm-hmm. so it ended up going all the way to the Supreme Court. The guy was like, "You guys don't have jurisdiction on me." So it goes all the way to the Supreme Court, and um, Supreme Court rules that tribal courts and tribal police um, have no jurisdiction or authorization to put non-natives in jail, and what? so that. 
was 1978. And so okay. that still applies to still applies to this day. And so um, a lot of this, a lot of crime started spiking up from non-natives coming to the reservations, yeah. like all across the reservations. And, and we just, I mean, getting away with murder. I mean, you, you, you hear it all across and yeah. And so this whole missing murder started and well, it started way back then. And you just hear all sorts of, like, I've had a lot of ladies walking up to me telling me someone are like, like very vulnerable stories, becoming very vulnerable, telling me like how like, sisters were murdered their brothers gone missing um currently this dude um one of one of the stories that i family that i'm working with just like this guy just went missing like he went to a windmill and they feel like something else had happened to him like there was there's there's the, it's it's huge like one of these girls getting trafficked um like a potential mansion that has holding woman inside it's, it's huge and so like i'm i'm in it i'm like again i'm in it but i'm i'm a lot more <laughs> full-fledged i'm not yes. like good dude you know being being an idiot <laughs> and trying to be so, like uh, uh here's my money can i get a girl and you're trying to get the story and get in and like yeah yeah now you're like yeah no i feel you dude oh man yeah yeah it's uh, uh it's it's a, that you're going after though dude you're yeah yeah it is it is it's it's huge and so that's where i'm at right now and um so i'm working on a short documentary actually i'm working on a couple of projects so a short documentaries about the um, canine search and rescue just um navajo lady actually started her own search and rescue operation or organization and to address the lack of search and rescue from navajo nation police force because mm -hmm. they don't have one you know they don't have that um and so she started doing that, and like now all these families just talk to her, man. They, they tell her all sorts of information, and then like that chick, she's been shot at, man. Like she's been shot at. Like I was like, holy fuck, you were shot at? And she's like, yeah, you know, at this one area because we're searching for this person's family. And I was like, holy fuck, like you know. So she's like roaming around yeah. with a with a pistol all the time, and so so like I, I i go i'll go out with searches with her every once in a while and just kind of like see what's up i usually bring my pistol too with me <laughs> and nice, um yes. kind of see so on, on the on the reservation um on the on the nation uh, with a pistol what, what you guys have the same everybody can tote one around or <clears throat> oh man you know it's so it's such an interest ah oh, man that's right, such an interesting thing I, because i feel like there's yeah. this, like this like what the hell man it's native america yeah. bro you're the indigenous people <laughs> okay like, like i owe you everything you know like i'm so pissed right yeah. now as this white dude i'm so sorry i just want to say that <laughs> like this whole like you can't lock someone up because they're not of the tribe or they're not from the area is so stupid mm -hmm. and shitty i don't usually yeah. swear on my podcast mm -hmm. but i'm finding it to be, i'm pissed <laughs> inside bro i am dude this is not funny yeah i mean yeah. like it is but it's yeah not. Oh. yeah 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 Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If 
you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play so can you carry like is it okay just to like roll on it's it's a it's a super interesting thing so i had one officer one time um this meth head came and like tried to break into our place and um i ended up i ended up beating him i didn't kill him or anything like he he probably thought it was just my mom there little did he know i was i was home and yeah. came out and like just threw the dude on the ground i threw him off the porch i mean and like it was just like bewildered and i just like held him down and started beating the crap out of him and tied him up called the police <laughs> police came and dude i legit verbatim the police officer goes you have a gun i was like yeah he goes next time just shoot him <laughs> right and um so that's one police officer. Another police officer I spoke to was like, yeah, you know, you can carry, but you can't carry in public. Um, another police officer I spoke to was like, we're not allowed to have anything. Like, as citizens, we're not, we're not supposed to have anything. So I've heard three different views and perspectives from three different officers who uh, it's, it's not like the actual law. When you look at it, it says that as a native of Navajo, you can actually carry but yeah. you can't carry open carry. So, but these police officers, like one, one of them was like, okay, I see your pistol. Um, you know, just, just make sure it's not loaded. You know, while we're, while we're doing these searches you know, just, just make sure it's not loaded. That one, that one's not in the chamber there. Yeah, right, exactly. I was like, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, it's, it's such a strange issue and there really isn't much like, but yeah, here focus in Utah, on, like, I could walk around with one in the chamber tactically loaded with an extra one in the mag that the chamber took. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Put another one in and then I'm ready yeah. and I can keep that. And everywhere I go, it's like, you know, but yeah. What part of America it, does, do you not fall under? <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Get it, man. Yeah. No, it, there's, 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 there's so much like red tape on the reservation. So there's, I mean, it goes back to the, like, 1830s, like, laws that were... So, basically, like, that law, I'll tell you about the case from 1978, that now, just because it was one tribe, but since it went to Supreme Court, now, you know, everyone goes off of that. 
they go mm-hmm. off of it. So there's a lot of cases back then that happened in like the 1830s that now are now applied to a lot of the reservations all across the United States. And so um, the dependent nation, before before these like laws when the 1830s were passed, a lot of native tribes were independent nations. They were able to economically thrive. They could do what they needed to have to thrive. And um, these laws were passed in the 1830s, Cherokee versus, or Georgia versus Cherokee Nation. And basically it was like, you know, there's gold on the Cherokee Nation and we want the gold. And the Supreme right. Court ruled, Supreme Court ruled that the state has no jurisdiction over tribal nations. Mm-hmm. Andrew Jackson at the time was like, okay, that only applies to state, not federal. Uh, we're going to go and make move to Cherokee. Like, I want that gold. Mm-hmm. And then that trail of tears happened because they're a because they're a dependent nation. They're a dependent nation. They don't understand the concept of what gold is. They don't understand the concept of what this land can do for us. So yes. we're going to, in their interests, we're going to move them away. So that was basically what happened. That's how the chair. I mean, it's actually a lot, lot longer, longer than that. That's just oh, kind yeah. of a shortened version of. And and so that applied to every other nation. It's like, hey, you're now all dependent nations. You're no longer independent. You're now dependent on the United States government. So it's because of that. Because of that, there's so much restrictions on what because well, the Fed kicks down a do. payment to you know indigenous folk that have a certain amount in them, and then they can get you know uh, approved for federal benefits, and so they're going to try to hold over. It's like what's worth more: the freedom to have the whole reservation <clears throat> free to be the, to really be independent of everything and just cut off that money, or do they, or would they rather? I don't know, man. You guys should have. Uh, <laughs> okay, this shouldn't even be, a, uh, shouldn't be having this conversation with you, right? Because like, <laughs> like, like my wife's family was on the Mother F and Mayflower, one of the trips that came here, and they were one of the like the four that didn't sign onto the Mayflower's Constitution of like they are all like this religious cult of we're going to sign a constitution on the Mayflower saying we, they they're like no we're going to break away from that and go find our own place to live here in America. Mm. And at the end, end of the day, they landed in a, um, a Native American place that had, on the East Coast, like in the New York area, they landed a little higher than New York. And so they moved back a little bit along the coast and they came back to that area between where they were at in New York. And they, uh-huh, they said, uh-huh. oh, hey, look, here's a whole village that no one's at because everybody had died. All of the natives have died uh-huh. in like the plague and whatever. And so here these pilgrims just move into this that we brought the plague. We brought all these diseases with the blankets. I'm so pissed, bro. I, I, I tell my wife all the time, man. <laughs> it's like, your ancestors, dude. Okay. I'm like, what the hell? She's like, remember, they are the ones that broke away from it. <laughs> they broke away from it. But yeah, yeah. How, do we, how do we fix that? Okay, I can't change the past, right? Cyrus, <laughs> I can't change the past. I could look to the future and just be a better student mm. of where I have my property and my land f- for the future. Mm. You know, that's all we can do is be better stewards and not let the past happen again. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's a, <laughs> that's actually a really complicated question. <laughs> and um, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's a very difficult one. Yeah. It's a difficult one to answer because a lot of natives right now, really want to have sovereignty they really want to be able to do 
what they want to do. They want to be able to have their businesses on on the reservations. And there's a lot of there's actually a lot of entrepreneur natives out there, and and they're doing amazing things. It's just they had to go off of the reservation, so they go off of the reservation to to do a lot of this work that they want to do, or businesses that they want to have, and so when they're on the Navajo Nation, it's a whole it's a wholly different it's a totally different thing, and. One of the issues that is going on right now, which is something I, I recently just found out. Um, well, I didn't recently find, I knew about it, but I never knew how big of a deal it was. So this is the other documentary I'm, I'm working on. So this is the second one, uh, which probably won't start filming until next year sometime. And um, I was really looking at, I was like, man, you know, why is there so much illegal burning? Why is there so much illegal dumping? And I was like, why is there no waste management on the Navajo Nation? Where's the where's the waste management? Where are the dump trucks at? Like, why is it that the main towns, which which are Chinle, Tuba City, Kienta, um, Crown Point, and Shiprock, Windrock, like, why are these main towns? Why are they the only ones that have the actual waste management services? But then the rest of the rest of the nation, right? The there's no there's none. All the rural areas is nothing. nothing. So people are like they're resorted to having to do that. That's the only thing that they can do. So I, was, I, I really found an interest in that. So I started digging, digging around and like looking through history. And I was like, holy smokes. One of the reasons why the Romans and the Greek did so well is because they established the waste management system. They started to have um, sewage systems. They started to have public toilets. One of the things that they required was that you're not allowed to have trash. You had to dump your trash more than a mile away. They actually started to have people who would pick up the trash. So they were a clean society. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Because after the fall of the Roman Empire, there's no waste management again, like for a long time. Like it's just people just shitting in the road and plague being everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. And then, um, so from that, from those two, I started, I, I, when I got that award in New York, I started thinking about New York and seeing the trash there. Truth. Like the trash is there, but, but they would go and pick it up right away and, and get rid of it. And I started, I started I'm like, why is, is New York such an economic hub? Like, why, why is that? So I started looking into that. And I, um, no one actually in the early eight, in the 1800s, early 1900s, um, they did not, no one wanted to live in New York. Like it was, it was a cesspool back then, mm-hmm. like just disease everywhere, rats everywhere. I mean, there's still rats everywhere, uh, but, but like it was, it was worse back then. It was worse. And I believe it was, you Roosevelt, I can't, I don't want to, I don't want to, actually, I, I don't want to, I don't know who it was. It was someone famous, like, right? Someone big, I think it was Theodore Roosevelt, who started the white, I couldn't be calling the white white suits these guys would put on white suits and they would go around and start cleaning up new york like that's all they were doing and they, they would do that and then once they started doing that people started moving in because new york was getting cleaner and people were like oh i want to stay here now like because new york's clean i was like wow and then it just kept continued moving now new york has a new york sanitation with over eight thousand workers they praise their new yorker or not new yorkers they praise new york sanitation Correct. as actual what police officers like they actually have like these new york sanitation workers have police officer uniforms that's green like they, they actually look, I, I thought when i saw it, that they're border troll and i was like wow man these guys are like highly respected like there's actually like there's a whole parade for them they call them the 
I forget what they called him. I don't remember. I'm not a New Yorker, but um. dude, I was just talking about it last <laughs> night. You know, like you know, I was like, hey, custodians at high schools. You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a thankless job. You know, these folks that go in and we expect it to be clean when we sit down at the bathroom you know the the worker at the bathroom that's sanitizing it you know it's like we take that for granted right we think oh that's mm-hmm. like a, that's below me ah that's below yeah. me I, i'll never throw trash away that's i don't want to be the garbage man that's what growing up you have to throw it in the back no man there's somebody has mm-hmm. to do it yeah yeah it's, it's, it's crucial there should be a garbage man appreciation day you know? <laughs> yeah no it, it's yeah <laughs> we have so many days it's to a, appreciate things yeah <laughs> Well, not the garbage I mean, man. Uh, Sanitation. Yeah, you deployed, right? You deployed. No, like, no, I've not. Deployed. No, I've not. Oh, no, I've not. Oh, okay. No, I've not. no. Oh. Um. Anyways, like one of the things I thought about was like, man, could you imagine how those deployments would be if there was no waste management from the military side? Like that place was if just they didn't have that up, implemented, like, like a waste management. Yeah. Like, yeah, like you, it's it's huge. Yeah, it is. And so that's the it's, burn pits, though, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, that's when the burn pits. pits yeah. And here yeah. we are. It was full circle, right? You're like burn pits on the res, burn pits in, you know, uh, Rome. Yeah, and exactly. Burn pits in war. You know, I remember yeah. the movie Platoon. Oh, was it Platoon? Yeah. And Charlie Sheen's like, you know, he's pulling the, 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 the shit out of the shitter with the guys and they're burning it. And they're burning, <laughs> they're lighting it on fire, you know, they're filling it up with gasoline and they're burning the, the outhouse crap so that they could put it back in, you know? And, you just see this black mm. smoke going up in the air, and you're like, "Those are little burn pits." It's that that that's awful for the troops to have to deal with and downwind. Mm-hmm. You know, from were you evolved? Do you, do you recall burn pits? They, they were they were around. Yeah, they were they were around. Like I saw them. Uh, mm-hmm. I never had to had to do it, thankfully. But yeah, they were around. They were you would see them just burning. Smell it. Um, yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> that's what they talk about. Why <laughs> yeah. you should yeah, yeah, have. Yeah. You know, burn pit. Yeah, uh, conversation. Yeah. You smelt it. That's, yeah, that that's actually one of the reasons why I started looking into this Spanish was I was like, man, there's actually a lot of illegal burning going on on the, on the Navajo Nation because there's no waste management. Right. I was like, man, this this is a huge issue. So that kind of comes back into like, oh man, I need to make a documentary on this to kind of highlight this issue to highlight like, hey, like also if you have waste management. You can build infrastructure. You can create jobs that way. It's like, oh, okay. Well, you guys can handle your waste management. Okay, let's let's build something. Now that we know you have some, some infrastructure, I'm not infrastructure, some, some landfills or burn it so that it can burn yeah, it. Incinerator. You know, uh, yeah. Eco-friendly style, like they have here in Utah by Hill Air Force Base. It's got a huge chip. Mm. Remember, it was built in the late '80s, and it was like revolutionary. They're like the new mm. waste management burn facility here in Layton, Utah, and. You know, it's where they burn the John Doe's. You know, if you have to, yeah. if you get, where do they take you to cremate you up there? People, one of my friend works there. He's like, I found a toe. I was like, get out of <laughs> here, dude. He's like, yeah, he's like cleaning out the incinerator yeah. one time. He's like, I found a yeah. toe. I was like, oh, bro. But again, yeah. where do you put the dead? Where do you put, you yeah. know, uh, the burn, pit? put it in an incinerator? I don't mm. know. So here's a, here's a little side note, a uh, little side note about the waste management. Um, I was talking to this um, other army ranger about it. He was, he's an urban planner, and I was just—we were just talking. I was talking about this whole project I was wanting to do with him, kind of get an insight on him. Mm-hmm. He's like, "You're onto something, man." And he's like, "Did you know who owned? Do you know who owned waste management from like the ni- early 1900s to about the mm-hmm. 80s or 90s?" 
I was like, nah. And I, I kind of said some names, like, no, 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 no. He's like, he's like, think, think some more. And I was like, man, I was like, I have no idea. No idea. He's like the mafia. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Well, look what happened in 9 so, right? When the towers got hit, mm-hmm. all of the metal was sent to the mafia's uh, scrapyard through, like, it was all mm-hmm. like, it's all like, how come they got the contract? They had all mm-hmm. the waste. They were taking mm-hmm. all of this, all of it over to their, their dumps. And there was like this big hubbub about who was getting the contracts through the New York go- mayor's office or whatever to haul all of the steel out. Like you said, that's who mm-hmm. it is. Dude. Yeah. 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 So oh I was like, man, if the mafia is like into the waste management business, like I, I think I'm on to something right now. So yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm obviously not doing a story on the mafia, and no, the waste I management, know. but like it's, yeah, but you know, it's like, you know, why, you know, why is the mafia going to waste management business? It's like, well, they know it's crucial. I mean, there's a, there's a whole list of reasons. Like it's crucial for the community. There's always going to be trash and it's always. the mafia. So money laundering, money laundering 100%. easily. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. It takes all these boxes so, for them. Yeah, and like, oh wait, oh wait, we handle the trash. So dead body, we'll just send it out to our yeah. trash dump. Like it's, wolf it's you know here, and he'll bring it over. Don't worry, it gets crushed up and it's gone. See you later. Yeah, Bye. yeah. So, so I, 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 just like realized all of that, and I was like, wow, man, this is, this is, this is crucial. I'm onto something. So that's the other project that I'm doing. Um, so that's that's the two projects. So the one's about the the lady search and rescue. This one's about the. Waste manager documentary, and then are you um, writing something about Standing Rock too? Aren't you doing a book on Standing Rock? Is that right? Or so yeah, so the book it, I've actually restarted it. Well, I didn't re- just restart it. So the first time I wrote it, it was when I actually started coming back when I got back from Standing Rock, and it was still it was so I, like I'm I'm sober. I'm a sober guy now. I've been sober a couple of years, and uh, I'm getting close to five, and and I ended up um, rereading it. I like I read Reddit and I was like, oh my gosh, this is not true to who who I am. I'm making myself sound like a hero in in, mm-hmm. in Standing Rock, and I was like, that's that's not actually that's not how it went down. I was actually um, transitioning from the army. I had no like direction in life. I had no idea what I was doing, and so like I'm writing about that and like how Standing Rock um, journalism came came through there, and I'm and I'm just writing about that, and it's really really difficult because I'm like looking at what like probably like one of the saddest moments of my life. I'm just like writing about how I was thinking, how I was feeling, like mm-hmm. what I was expecting. So like it dives into a lot of that perspective. It's, it's like a, it's about Stan rock, but it's also a military, military transition book. So it's like the transitioning of like, what do I do? What, did you say? <laughs> and, what made you sober? What were you not? So what was your, what was the, what was your, what was your vice? So I um, was drinking. Uh, drinking was a big one for me, and um, I just like I, I remember I just was I dropped out of college because all I was doing was drinking. I was by myself, I no one really to talk to, and so I just was like I, I remember like looking at this bottle when I was like, why am I even still drinking? Like this is this isn't helping me in any way, and I started to think about some. Uh, I'm not sure if you're a uh, social, no social distortion. It's a band. Sure. Kind of, oh, I know exactly. Yeah. Mike Ness. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mike yeah. Ness. So, and I remember, I remember like yeah. him, like telling his, sto- yeah, I remember yeah. him telling his story of like, I got sober when I was like 28, 28, and I was like 29. I was like, you know what? He got sober at this time. I can get sober mm-hmm. at this time. So I was like, 
I'm just gonna fuck. I'm like Mike Ness did it. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get sober. So, yeah, yeah, essentially. So I just, I literally grabbed this like bottle. Like I had like three bottles of vodka, and because they were cheap too, so I just dumped all of it, and I was like, I'm never drinking again. And then I went to this um, VA like AA type meeting thing, and like I met this dude in there. Um, he was like a Korean War veteran, I believe. And like, he was 50 years sober. Didn't have wow. to be in there. Like he, and like he, he was, was yeah, talking 50 to years like, still counting the days. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, yeah, yeah you know, I, um, I keep coming in here to, to encourage you guys, you know, to, to continue to get sober. He's like, I got sober years ago and my life got way better. And, um, I was like, wow. And then a lot of these Vietnam vets who were there, like, so, so that guy gave me a lot of inspiration, just like listen to his story, 50 years sober, Korean War veteran. And those guys saw some shit too. Like, you know, yeah, those yeah. guys saw like, frozen feet, bro. You know, I mean, you know, yeah, deserves yeah. to their effing thoughts. <laughs> Give me a <laughs> Yeah. But drinking takes you down and, a dumbass uh, road, you know? I, I've been so wasted and I passed out in the farm field and I was just like vomiting in my own vomit mm, on my face. Yeah. You know, yeah, I was like, yeah. never again do I want that. Uh, yeah. I did that to myself. I did that to myself. Yeah, no. No, no, I I, I, I totally get it. Like, that's actually, so I was a ranger, right? So yeah. if you talked to a lot of my, anyone who knew me back at the ranger battalion, they'd tell like, man, yeah, Norcross, man, like, on mission, stellar. Training mission, stellar. Like, flawless. You take him back, though, barracks side, man, all he was doing was drinking. Like, that's all I did. And so, I mean, that actually got me in trouble. So that's, so they're like, hey, man, like, you're a good dude, uh, but we got to let you go. So I ended up, I ended up leaving, um, getting kicked out. So um, well, that's when I went of, to uh, Because of uh, alcohol. Because of drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, a lot of that kind of is in the book, too, ties into the book of, like, feeling like a failure. Like, man. And I, you know, I failed, I failed being a ranger. I failed like my, my leadership. Um, I failed, I failed at everything. And, um, I mean, like I talk to them now and it's like, like, hey, man, you're, you're good now, man. Like, don't worry about it. It's in the past now, like drive on. So that's basically what happened. I, I just drove on and, um, a lot of that leadership and training that they, they taught me back then now it's like now it's it's me it's it's here i'm utilizing it i'm going forward with it and so it's like you know kind of and and, and they see it my leaders you know they, they see it you know it's kind of shoot me like a message hey man keep doing what you're doing you know you're doing good it's good to see you being who you were meant to be because i remember one of them actually took me aside and was like no cross man if you just stop fucking drinking you know how much fucking potential you could yeah. you, you could do like how much potential you have in you like just stop fucking drinking <laughs> um, yeah i was 19 20 21 i was like whatever you know but now though it's totally different man like uh, like I, I try to tell people out with with whatever i can um but yeah so that that's exactly what happened and i i got sober i dumped out everything out and heard like these vietnam veterans like walking up to me like hey man i wish i was sober i got sober when we were age i wish i got sober when i was 29 i wish i got sober right. when i was 30 right. and he's like i'm 70 years old now i'm only here i'm only a year sober he's like don't ever drink again. And, and bro, so, I mean, going sober I, is not the easiest thing, right? Because especially if you've been doing it for so long, like that cat that's been doing it for 70, or he's 70. Mm -hmm. I mean, now your body, mm -hmm. the addiction can actually cause, you know, I'm not trying mm -hmm. to scare anybody who's trying to quit, but you can stroke, you know, from, yeah. you can do all sorts of different ailments can happen from yeah. it. So, 
Yeah. So, you know, at 70, I mean, he still sees it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Cut this mm-hmm. out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I took that route and, you know, I don't, I don't really harp on anybody. Like when I, when I first started being sober, I was like, I'm sober. But now I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) now I'm just like, um, I'm like, yeah, man, like you want to get, yeah, yeah. yeah." I'm like, yeah, if you want to get sober, man, like go, go for it. Like it's sober. I'm like, it's it's good. It's It's good for you. It's good for your health. Um, I'm like, you know, some people, I always tell people, I was like, some people can have a beer, man. I was like, I was never that dude. Like I, if I, if you gave me a beer, I need to have a 24 pack. Like that, that was me. And, um, I was like, if you gave me a fit of, you know, Jack or whatever, like, no, I, I needed all of it. Like I needed more, <laughs> like I need yeah. a gallon to myself, no. you know, that, that was me. And, um, I wasn't that, I was never that dude who could like, just like, yeah, man, I'll just take, you know, I'll just take one, um, whiskey on the rocks and that'll be that and then you know go or on beer with your dinner. just like a beer like a beer with your dinner you know it's like, yeah yeah it, it just yeah. gets into like three or four and then yeah and then um yeah you know i i don't i'm not i guess sober in that aspect i'll still have a beer you know what i mean and so but i don't have any near mm-hmm. anything like goldschlager yeah. times man those times are way behind me like i'm so glad i had the moment of <laughs> clarity while i was laying in my own vomit uh, you know, at such a young age, it's like, I don't ever want to drink this stuff again. No cinnamon schnapps ever again. Never, never, never. No, I don't care if there's gold in it and it looks mm-hmm. like I should drink the gold. Don't. Or the whole bottle. I'm telling you, it, it just, it's alcohol poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even. Yeah. Yeah. Know, that's what we're I mean, ourselves. that's, 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 that's what. Yeah, that's that's uh, so that's actually why another reason why it's so hard to to complete this book about Standard Rock is because it is about me still drinking, and I'm like, right, I'm like, God, I'm like, why, why, like, why was I acting like that? Why was I doing? So I'm writing about it. So uh, like, I'm I'm putting it's it's a very vulnerable book. I'm like throwing. So it's like it's a book of like military and transition. It's a book about um, finding myself, and then at the same time. I'm still drinking, right? And like, it take, it's like another two years after that book, I finally get sober. But it's like, man, I I am not liking writing who I was back then. Like, I don't I don't like writing about that, you know. And so, I, and I think it, it's like someone told me, um, it's like, hey, man, that's actually that's actually more real. Like, people need to hear more. Mm-hmm. Just turn the page. Real stories like that of like people. And keep writing and just turn your page and keep writing, and then it'll be done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it'll be yeah. out there. And then everyone's going to check it out. I'm just saying, just keep writing and then turn the page. Say, okay, write it out. Turn the page. As I tell you, I should tell myself the same thing. <laughs> I should write something. Mm. You just turn the page. <laughs> just do it. You don't already. <laughs> do it airborne style. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, that's, that's good. I'll take that advice. I'll heed, I'll heed your advice. <laughs> Thank you. Forward written by Rad. <laughs> no. No, you're, you're great. And I'm so glad you reached out, you know, and I know we're filming this during November and this is going to go out probably into November, maybe into December. But, you know, I just want to say thanks for, for being you and to your grandfather, no, and your grandfather yeah. and your grandfather 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 and all of the grandmothers that dealt with all of the yeah, yeah, fathers. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> and your own mom uh, and dad, no matter how rough or, you know, not rough it was in your life, you know, for you to be here and, you know, to, to carry the torch and 
uh, I have mad respect for, you know, indigenous and for native mm. and, you know, um, my friend yellow horse. When you talked about gray horse, my friend Calvin yellow horse, shout out Calvin. He's here at Fort Duchesne, which is a reservation here in Utah. Mm. And, uh, mm. When you say yellow, when you say gray horse, it makes me think yellow horse because they're Lakota and uh, Utah. His wife is Utah and he's Lakota, his dad. So they married and he lives down here. Ute, I think. But uh, oh, OK. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So they, they met each other, one in Dakotas and then down here and they got married and cool. they had their son, Calvin. But long story is uh, yellow horse is their last name. And gray horse means that he wow. killed the guy with the gray horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so calvin yeah, if you're listening bro i just figured out how you got your last name <laughs> yeah that's um yeah that, that's that's how we got it like that's our, our like our family name i mean norcross came from one of our oh that's actually, your last name is great horse oh no 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 it's not, not anymore it's norcross now but the no, reason norcross. norcross is around is because the yeah one of the, the recruiters in world war one Right, it was like, hey, we can't, we can't take your Navajo name. And this guy, you know, our our great, 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 great um, grandfather, was like, uh, he's like, well, they're talking to recruiters, like, how'd you get here? He's like, I walked here. Let's go. Like, oh, well, your first name's gonna be Walker. He's like, what about your last name? He said his Navajo. Nav he said his, we said his last name. He's like, uh, he's like, oh, we we can't take your last name. Like, and the guy was like, you know what, man? You seem like a good dude. You walked all the way over here from Gallup or. Forty finds to Albuquerque or Albuquerque Gal. I forgot what it was. He's like, you walked over here. That's a long ways to walk. You can have my last name. Your last name's Norcross. Walker Norcross. And then that was that. That's how it goes. Norcross. So that's how that's how it came. Oh, I love yeah. that story. I'm so glad we got that into this. Okay. So thank you for sharing. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, now, yeah. Now, Cyrus, yeah. Cyrus, you're one, you're probably, I think, the longest interview I've had in my time doing this for soft rep usually we get around around 50 minutes to an hour but i mean bro we're like in it oh, wow. and uh and that's really yeah. uh something to say about your demeanor and uh i just think you're a cool dude and to talk and there's so much <laughs> that you just put it out there real well and uh i just want to say thanks for bringing yeah. that to us and and as i wind down the show i just want to let everyone know to um you know check out your links we're going to put them in the website okay so for that website that you have where we can check out your stories. Uh, make sure that we have that. Uh, either say it again or um, write it in an email so we can make sure that it's on the webpage and people can just click on it, your Instagram, how they can reach you, et cetera, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my Instagram is Cyrus Narcross. You'll, you'll find me. Um, just, just type it down. Um, it's actually Navajo Ronin. <laughs> Navajo Ronin is my one of the names. And then... Um, <clears throat> I do. I do have like, Twitter and stuff. I I I don't, I don't, I don't use them at all. Or X now. I mean, yeah, and um, gonna give it to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do have Facebook, so I'm pretty active on Facebook. So you can just find me on there, Cyrus Narcross. Oh, and follow. LinkedIn, right? And uh, yeah, I got a LinkedIn as well. So I, I do. I do all that. I'm, I'm working on a website right now to really kind of throw a lot of my my photos, a lot of my stories on there, mm -hmm. and to actually have my some video work that, I, that I've done, like just short videos, you know, so to, to just to throw it in there. So that's kind of where, so that the website eventually will get out um, probably would be sometime next month or next year. So I'm working on a website right now and um, yeah, that, 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 that'll be out. But yeah, I'm Instagram on Instagram and Facebook and I'm, and I'm LinkedIn. Okay, cool. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll email you. I'll, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll email you the the, the, the journalist link because that's it's a really weird one. You, you, if you if you search, if you type my name up, you'll see like some stuff pop up, but you won't see that website for some odd reason. So I am. It's a journalist portfolio website, and then when people look for it, they can't find it. So I'm just gonna have, I'll just like shoot that directly, email it to you. Yeah, so. email that to me, and then we'll have Anton, my producer, Anton just insert that in there so people can click on it on softrep.com. And then also, mm -hmm. you know, um, I reach out to those that interview with me. And if you ever want a little bit of a platform to do an article and write about Ranger time or, you know, Navajo time on softrep, I'm sure we would take an article or two from you to help keep that going for you as well and have us to help push you into the same yeah. community you came from, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like you said, there's not many indigenous journalists out there. You know, no. So, <laughs> so gotta catch them all like a Pokemon. Then come over here. Come with us, okay? <laughs> okay. So, yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. do that. You know, we do have journalism going on here, and from people like yourself who have been in the know, and you don't necessarily have to write about what thing you're undercover. You can talk about, hey, this is how you pack a parachute. See you later. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Real simple. We'll touch base in email and. On behalf of myself and Brandon Webb, who owns and runs his website, uh, softrep.com, and Cyrus Norcross, you know, I want to say thanks for you, the listener, listening, watching, uh, sharing, commenting, uh, you know, tell me you don't like me, tell me you like me, uh, leave it all down below. Just get involved, get active, read a book, go check out softrep.com forward slash book hyphen club and our merch store. And, uh, you know... Happy Indigenous Peoples Month, Year, and Millennia, because, you know, bro, you were here way before anybody else, and uh, America owes you all of its gratitude, okay? I just want you to know <laughs> that. And everybody that lives, who's listening on the reservations, you know, I'm grateful, so thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah. It was a great, it was a great talk, great conversation. Loved it all around. <laughs> Not the last time. I'll have you back on, all right? We'll keep you just like as a regular appearing guest. And I think uh, our listener will love to, you know, uh, hear more of your stories because you're super cool to listen to. So keep it up, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. And if we ever get together, man, a definite handshake and a hug because I appreciate you going to Stand and Rock and being who you are. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, All yeah. Right. All right, love. cool. Well, this is me saying enough is enough. And I got to sign off. And Rad is saying peace from all of us here at Software. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... <laughs> Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.